Hello, my name is Federico Toledo and welcome to the Quality Sense podcast, where you will have the chance to improve your sense for quality by listening to some leaders who are amazing at what they do in the software industry. In each show, I have a one-on-one -on -one chat with them discussing specific topics related to software testing and quality. This is the second part of the interview to Oren Rubin from Testim. I met Oren last year in a meetup thanks to Angie Jones. She said that we should meet and collaborate. And she was right. It was great as it was this interview. In the previous episode, Oren told us about the differences in the main test automation tools like Selenium, Playwright, Puppeteer and Cypress. In this episode, we will learn more about how AI can help in test automation, the difference between scriptless testing tools and visual editors, and much more. I have another question because I, I know that you're applying some machine learning associated to, to testing. The question is if there is a real advantage in using artificial intelligence and machine learning for, for testing, because lately many people and companies are, are, are talking about it and it's difficult to distinguish if it's more buzzwords or if it's something that it's really helpful. So what's, what's your view on that? So, so I think it depends on what do you want the AI to do? Where, where can it help you? So I think there's different, again, there's different uh, places uh, that AI can help you. The, the first one that I think is helpful, um, and, and I started with focusing on that a couple of five years ago with testing, that was on the, the locators, the stability of the locator of a click. As I said, you want to perform a click, uh, but any of those infrastructures that, that we mentioned, they all, uh, they give the, the um, the decision on what element, which element to click, they, they, it's on you. You have to decide. So the question is, how much do you want to invest in actually in, in, in time and energy in uh, knowing which the element I want to click on and, uh, and the maintenance. Every time it changes, uh, the test break, and everyone knows about it. Every time you change the UI, the test break, and then you have to, you have to find out, okay, what's the new ID? Um, so this is one thing, one aspect that AI can help. Uh, now today we have uh, AI that can use not one selector, but actually hundreds of thousands of selectors. It all does that automatically. Uh, and, and, and then when something changes, even though they, you change the class, the ID, the text, it can still, if you have thousands of, of different ways to find an element, you can st the, the, the platform can say in high fidelity that this is the right element. And that just saves you a lot of time it goes back to trust. If your app doesn't, if your test doesn't, doesn't fail all the time because of every time that someone changed the UI, you start trusting your test more. So I think though, even we're talking about locators and stability, uh, this is one case of, of stability that, that happens and that can be eliminated. Um, other frameworks, I think, for example, even infrastructure is starting to do more uh, things. The basic thing of actually doing a retry you find an element, you don't find an element on the screen, let's try again a second later. Maybe it's an Ajax code that takes a few seconds to load. Let's try this again. All those things like implicit weights that to do, uh, we see that more and more. Uh, so this is one aspect of AI when you're talking, okay, locators and stability. Um, there are other aspects when you're looking at 
the results. Can, can AI help us when looking, analyze all the results and say, there's a hundred failures, but there's two issues. Here's the smallest test I can find, so you can reproduce it as fast as possible or suggest to you things, uh, for example, AI can help. Finding code duplications. This is something which is hard for you. I mean, go all, over all thousands of tests and find, okay, I have duplication. I, I have the login here and login here and login here. I didn't reuse that. I, I need to reuse the, the, the same code. For human, it's hard going over a thousand tests. For machines, they can do that in, in, in under a minute. They can go over and, and give you a lot of suggestions. So I think uh, we are seeing and we'll see more of AI helping there and, and actually assisting you and suggesting things and being more like, uh, you know, in the software domains, there's the, uh, the all developers have such thing as a linter, develop uh, code, it helps you. And I didn't see that that much in the test automation world. And this is where AI can help out. I see it's very related to the, the discussion that we as a community have 15 years ago, maybe, when we were talking about the test automation taking the place of the testers, you know, and, and actually my favorite view about that is the, the tools can help us to increase our, our possibilities to do a better job. And as you ex just explained, it's the same here. It's like the tools are helping us with the things that they can do better than us. And we still have our place using those tools in order to, to, to do a better job, right? Mm -hmm. It always, I, I remember when, when I started testing uh, that people always ask me, are you trying to, do you think there's not going to be testers in the future? And everyone keeps asking that. I kept, no, I, I think, I think there's, gonna, there's always going to be testers. Um, the whole idea is, is making, um, is helping them make a, a better job and actually, and, and saving their t uh, time so they can have more focus on, and other things. I think you'll always need, uh, you'll always need humans. There's something special that humans can do, and there's some things that computers are better. So let the computer do whatever they do better, and let the humans do what they do better. Excellent. I remember we talked about having three layers of test automation in, in testing. This is an approach you took that I, I really like it. So can, can you explain it a little bit more? I think that there's different levels when you talk about a test. There's different things. For example, the highest level, uh, first of all, is the business level. I think this, uh, people don't do that enough, separating between, for example, uh, the business level and then the implementation. But even, even the implementation level, uh, I think that people can have uh, levels there. So that I, I'll explain what I mean by business level, first of all. When I look at a test, I do, do need to see that, first of all, as a login, add to cart, checkout. This is how a user sees this. This is the, the, the language of the, do, the domain, DSL, of where the company is talking about. We have, if you have, in Amazon has a purchase. So you need to talk in that language. Then you go drill down and you say, okay, the implementation is the level of, okay, I need to set the username, I need to set the password, and I need to click login. This is one level about below that. Um, and then you can even drill down and you say set, set the password. You can look at that and look at that and say, wait a second, is that a hard-coded literal or is that a variable? Uh, uh, usually that goes here. Uh, there's a, a testing. We, we define that, that you can always drill down and see another level and you can see that uh, use something like a JavaScript expression. And you can always 
all the, I, I think you can, you can always drill down all the way down to the, the, the level of, of the actual command that goes out, that goes eventually, this is, okay, how do you, what is the actual, uh, if that's the JavaScript, is that the programming language, this is the, the bottom, uh, I think that should be the bottom, people should not go inside the framework, they, for them the framework should be, uh, the infrastructure should be click, set text, it should be very, uh, very set and clear, um, and in their test, they need to go until that level. So I think it's very, very I like, I like approaches, things like the page of the design pattern that, that actually forces you that says, okay, you have a class account and a class account has a method called login that that's, makes you, forces you to, to split between the business logic and the implementation level. And by the way, everyone, everyone asked me whether, what I think about things like cucumber and they all think that I hate it. And, and it's not that I don't, I don't hate it. Uh, I know everyone thinks that way. I, there's one thing that I, there's some things that I hate it about. It's the last thing that I love about it. Cucumber or they forces you to distinguish between the two levels. You have to talk in, when you write in English, this is the high level. And you have to implement the, the actual clicks in, in uh, with your code. And that's, it forces you. This is the thing that I love about it. Uh, it forces you. You can't. You can't. You, you can't ignore it and say, "No, I'm going to write in my test. My test will have click this, click that." No, you have to go through the English. And those it are the forces you I... to to document your test in a certain way, right? Exactly. Exactly. In some places, people use, and, and then that's another discussion whether it should be the given when it should be how. I call it religion. How go? How how do you go by the rules? Do you go 100%, 50%? Do you have to do that or not? But uh, this is this is where everyone's uh, uh, fighting about. Is this related to scriptless testing tools? I, by the way, when people say scriptless or codeless, um, there's something that, I, and I'm not sure uh, how to phrase it differently. I don't think that there's uh, there's um, you can write a full set of tests without some code. So that's one thing. Uh, I think there, there, and you'll see that in all different codeless platforms, they're not really codeless. Everyone allows you to run some code. And I, and I see that in a way of, in the fact that those, as we said, the different levels, 90% of the time you don't need to run some code, but you don't need to customize. This is more related to, do you need to do code a recording? Can you record something very fast? Uh, right now, when you have those called smart locators that you have multi, multi selectors, a recording can be not as good as the developer would write a selector. As I said, it's even better. It's much better. So recording a, a scenario, like setting a user and a password, um, that could be faster and even more stable than, than coding that. Um, so this is something that I, uh, I do recommend, but there's always it, it, there's always some time when you need some custom logic when you need to go down and you, sometimes you just need to drill down for not to record value abstracta that you set in a, in a very, you want to use a variable. Sometimes you even want to write your own code. So this is the, what I say, this is a drill down. You can go inside the level and say, I want to write the code. I don't just want to record that. So you always have uh, places where you need to have, uh, when you need to have code. So that's why I don't think of it as a codeless solutions, I like to look at it as a, as a visual editor. This distinction is really important because for me, before talking with, <laughs> with you, the, the codeless automation tools 
are good for people who don't know how to code. And as you are talking now, it's like uh, it, even if I can code my tests, these tools also can help me doing a better job, right? Yes. I think you need to code where you need to. The focus on wherever you need to code, focus your time there. But if you have something that records, that can take record the login, and it can save you an hour a day or five hours a day and do actually a better job there, don't, don't, don't fight. It's not about for, for uh, if you don't, uh, only for, the, for developers. You need to focus your, your energy and your skills on how to do better test architecture, how to build your test in a way that they will be more resilient and reuse and passing the right parameters uh, and knowing when do I, when do, I do end-to-end how do I end mocks? What do I want to mock in my test? How do I take the data, uh, having the, the infrastructure that I start my test in the same way all the time? Those are the things that have a lot, you need a lot of thought. And I think humans, this is where we're good at. Um, but a lot of the time you can use, uh, whether it's recording or um, they can give you a lot more value. By the way, the fact that they give you when you look at a test that you didn't write, and you can see the screenshot and you can see what is the, the, the entire screenshot um, and know what, what they meant, it's easier for someone else to understand what is the test. So I look at that as a visual editor and, and, and of course, um, it's not as, as a, this is a tool for uh, non-developers. Uh, I think this is, this, is, this is a great tool for the, even for developers to save them a lot of time and, uh, and energy and they should focus on on, on the things where you need code, this is where you need to double down and think a lot and, and make the code as, as robust as possible. I'd like to make a short pause to thank Abstracta for sponsoring this podcast. Abstracta is a company fully dedicated to software testing that can work with you to push the quality of your product and processes to the next level. Man, I love talking with you. <laughs> Just to, to try to wrap up this interview, I have personal questions, I would say. The first one is, how did you get into testing? Ooh, um, I used to, I, I, loved, I loved compilers. I worked at a company that, that, as a compiler engineer, what they did was they had a special language for hardware verification. Uh, and KDS acquired that this it's a very uh, well-known developer platform. And, and I was a compiler engineer. Uh, my, my users were testers. That, that's, that's the people that used it. They wrote, it was coded, uh, but with special language that added special capabilities for hardware verification. As you know, hardware, uh, before it becomes hardware, you have a, uh, you have a spec, it's a, it's a coding spec, a system very long. So I got to know more uh, if you want to do a language for, for, for developers, for, that, for test engineers, you need to know more about the domain. So I got to know a lot. And when I moved to, then I moved to another company, a small company called Wix. Well, now the IPO and like everyone knows them, but when I moved there, it was super small. And, and all the testing was manual. And it took a month to release something because everything was, was, was manual. And, 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 I, and I, I came from a world that everything was automated. So, and, and so I moved to Wix with web and uh, we made a transition to web and everything was manual. And I, I just said, I have to look at all the tools out there to understand 
uh, how can I do a better job to add unit tests and end-to-end? And this is how I got to find out, I found out that, no, there's, there's not good enough solution at the moment. That was, wow, so many years ago. Uh, and, and I decided to pursue and try to help, uh, uh, and, and try to help in building more tools. Uh, and I was the, the first employee at a company called Apply Tools that also does visual validation. So we, we, nobody did visual validation before that. So that was, that was my, uh, my first, I would say, like already started to build uh, testing tools. Cool. I, I remember someone telling me that one great way to improve your skills as a tester is to work some years in, uh, in development and a great way to improve your skills as developer uh, as a developer is working some years as a tester and <laughs> it's great but by the way i see that i, I agree with you 100 percent like by the way one of our uh, testing one of the architects uh is actually he started as a as a, as a tester I, I remember meeting him in in selenium meetups in israel every presenter that came came there he was asking he was asking so his questions were amazing uh, and and I and I was amazed, and I thought, oh, uh, how about come we come to test him, and not just the automation part. Like there's, you can, I think you can move to to other things as well. And obviously he moved up the scale super super fast. Uh, and and I think everything he does is magic. And I think one of the reason is is that he thinks like he, think, he still thinks sometimes like a tester. He starts with that because tester thinks like a user actually in a lot of ways. And, and that's amazing. Great. Another question. I really believe that having good habits are really important in order to, you know, achieve your goals and <laughs> things like this. So I'm curious about the habits you, you have, if you have any habits you want to suggest. I think, I think that it's, more, it's very important to know about uh, uh, what do you like to do and, and what, what are you doing? Where are you spending your time? Where is your focus? So everyone, I know that everyone recommends, okay, telling you what you're supposed to do that way, day or week. I actually like to go also, in addition to going the other way around, I go on a calendar and every time I do something, I kind of mark in the calendar what I did. So I know that I look at the last week, I know where I spend my time. And then I can, if, you, if I decided that I have a goal that I want to spend 10% of my time working on learning something new, like a new framework or learning the internals, or I want to make sure that I've done this, that I, uh, is that, did I have allocate enough time for myself to actually do that? And then I can look at the retrospective of myself and look at my calendar and say, oh, did I, did I do that? And I love that in Gmail, uh, the Google Calendar, sorry, you can add colors. So I do if they have different types of things. So I add colors and, and then I can see uh, uh, how well did I do. And if I need to allocate more time or less time to change if, if something doesn't work, I know how to improve that. Time management is, is key for, for almost anything. One last question. If you have any book recommendation, it depends on, on where where do when do you go with that on on the, on the startup level. Um, one of my favorites was the from zero to one. That's the Peter Thiel uh, uh, to understand it's very very high level. Uh, and uh, on the personal, the one I'm reading right now is the uh, Bug House. It's a chess variation, four player chess. There's two boards, pieces move from board to board. 
uh, and there's uh, there's one, only one book that uh, of uh, some grandmaster that explains more how to uh, improve on on that. Uh, and I'm I want to improve uh, my bagout skill. So. so so you typically play this game? Yes, yes, I'm in love with this game. Uh, huh. I, I'm curious, but I I haven't heard about this variation. Oh, so I think now we have to do another podcast on the Indian <laughs> bagout. <laughs> right. Oren, uh, is there anything uh, you would like to invite uh, listeners to, to do, to access? Um, so, so regarding testing, especially at this time, testing started, uh, uh, we want to do a lot more for the community at this point. Um, we did a few things. Uh, first of all, we, we gave uh, a huge freemium that uh, you can run your tests for free, with, even with the cloud execution uh, for free. So people at this time can run because I know uh, sometimes right now it's it's hard. Uh, so we did that. Another thing for the community, we we launched a course, especially focuses on AI where it can help. Um, so we did that so people can have. And um, I know a lot of people are looking for um, for work and so all the having the, the AI certification. We saw that it's very helpful because people are starting to ask. Do they know um, all, the, all, all those things that, that uh, how to use those assistants? So we saw that and we created a course for that. Um, and there's a third thing, which is we're, 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 we're doing a lot more to contribute to the, also the open source uh, um, world and we'll contribute a lot more. So you'll see that actually we're, we're releasing more capabilities for, for those as well. So, uh, Sure, I'm sure to go to the to the newsletter and, and subscribe. Uh, I suggest people uh, just sign up. You'll get uh, and you'll be notified when we release. We're releasing a lot of a lot of cool things uh, to the community. So uh, keep your heads up. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for your time. It was a, an amazing talk. I really enjoyed it. Right. It's always fun talking to you. Let's do it uh, in the future again. <laughs> uh, yes, the next time we'll go back to not doing it virtually, to going like in the streets of San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Last time. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Oren. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope your sense for quality got better after this conversation. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe to Quality Sense Podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues or whoever you think can benefit from listening to it. I hope to see you soon. Adios amigos. Bye.